Welcome to City Life Church Podcast. Our desire is that all may come to know Christ and fulfill their purpose in life. We welcome you to head over to our website for more information. God bless you and enjoy the message. Praise the Lord. How many are excited about life? Just being alive is good, isn't it? Some of you aren't so excited about being alive. God still cares about every one of us and uh, has a plan and a purpose for every one of us. And so that's good. As long as we're open to receive from him, he definitely is there to pour out upon us. We're continuing in our series, Gospel Influence. And last week, Jeff Boosie did an amazing job in, in sharing what God put on his heart. If you weren't here last week, jump on, get the podcast on the website, or there's other places you can find it to listen to that. I really sensed as I was seeking the Lord about some things to talk about, and I'm going to divide this up into two segments. So I'm speaking this morning, obviously. Next week, Dave Bradley is sharing, and then I'll be back sharing again on the 21st, and I will be sharing basically the second portion of what I'm going to be talking about. So gospel influence. Today, the title for our message is Keys of the Kingdom of God, Keys of the Kingdom of God. And uh, so important to understand a little bit about who we are in the kingdom and what God's given us and the keys that he's given us. And so often, as we all have keys, right? We all have keys to something, to your car, to your house, to a lock somewhere, we have keys. And so we all understand what keys are and what keys are for, but... If somebody else here handed you their keys and walked away and you had their keys and you had keys, which is great, but you would have no idea what those keys are for. And so this morning, I want to be able to hopefully help bring some clarity and understanding to some of the keys that God has given us of the kingdom so that we can actually use them. We're all walking around with keys and we're part of the kingdom, but maybe we don't all understand the benefit and the power of those keys. And so I want to talk a little bit about that this morning. Lord, I just pray as we dive into your word this morning and talk a little bit about some things that were near and dear to your heart that you want us to look at this morning. I pray that our hearts will be open to hear from you, God, and that we would shut out every distraction, those things that maybe that we're thinking about, that God, that we could focus on you this morning. Thank you for the great worship and the communion time this morning. Lord, let us continue in your presence this morning as you feed us from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I want to read this scripture in Matthew 6.33. Probably a lot of us have heard this scripture before. It says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. That's new living. And uh, the New King James says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So these are various the versions of this. But basically, the whole premise here is the priorities that we should have in our life is to seek his kingdom. Amen. We seek his kingdom. And all of the things that we get concerned about, those things get taken care of. But we also have to make sure that we're living righteously, that we're, we're living in his righteousness. And so there's a lot of things that go together. But there's things about his kingdom that we need to learn. There's at least 80 references to the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven in the New Testament. So, and Jesus refers to the kingdom quite often. And so it's important for him 
to share and to communicate to us, and he wants us to understand a few things about his kingdom. And you'll read kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, and there's commentators probably have differing things on what the kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven, if they're, but for the sake of what we're doing this morning, they certainly can be one and the same and referred to that often. But we see that shortly after Jesus' temptation, he was tempted by the enemy, and Jesus came out of that situation, and he said this in Matthew 4, 17. It says, from then on, Jesus began to preach. Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. He began to preach repentance, linking it with his kingdom, because the only way that we can be a part of his kingdom is to repent. We are on the outside of his kingdom. So he comes out of the gate after being tempted to say, hey, I've got some good news for you. I've got this incredible kingdom but there's repentance involved. And so he comes out with that. So repentance is necessary to take part or be a part of his kingdom. So when the king showed up, his kingdom showed up. And so we see this, that the kingdom really was inaugurated at this time when Jesus began his ministry. He launched this thing about his kingdom. The reign of God, now his kingdom, he began to bring it into place to be established, but the reign of God has always existed. He's always reigned from the beginning of time, which he's always been there. So that's no dispute there. So God has always been, he's now, and he will be forever. And that's who God is. He reigns. The sovereign king of the entire creation, he's king, he reigns. Amen? Amen. And the church is something that Jesus, that's been established as a tool, basically, to continue what Jesus started. So we're about his kingdom. We're about kingdom business. And so as believers, we have a responsibility. And so the world is filled with people who are dead in their sin, and they need the good news. We've been talking about the good news. They need to hear the gospel. There's people all around us that need to hear the good news about the kingdom. When we accepted Christ, we were transformed or taken out of the kingdom of darkness or the dominion of the enemy and brought into the kingdom of God brought into the kingdom of light. And so we are now ambassadors for his kingdom. What's an ambassador? An ambassador is a representative of a country or a kingdom. That's an ambassador, a representative. So we are now ambassadors for his kingdom. So my question to you then would be, as an ambassador, do you represent God's kingdom well? Think about that for a moment. As an ambassador of God's kingdom, do you represent it well when you're in the community and you're out talking with people? Are you a great ambassador representative? It's a question to ask yourself and to think about. Now, when Jesus established his kingdom, basically the war was already won. The victory was already his, but there's still battles that went on. There's still things that men were going through and dealing with, and that was something that that'll continue until Christ's return. And so even though the battle's won, he won the victory at the cross, but we're still in a battle. We're still in a battle daily. We deal with things. We struggle with things. There's things that happen. The kingdom is here, but it's yet to come. We're in this whole process here. It's like landing on Normandy Beach. When they landed and they stormed the beach, pretty much everybody knew the war was over in the sense of this is it. But 
it was like another year or so before it happened, and a lot of battles happened. People lost their lives. There was a lot of things that happened between then and the actual final victory. Even though when people knew, man, this thing's going to be over. But the reality is there was a lot of battles to be fought, and that's where we're at in life. We're victorious people in his kingdom. The war has been won for us, and what Jesus Christ did on the cross settled it. But in life, we're going through a lot of battles and challenges. I believe that there are some Christians that need to change their mind about what they believe because I think we're living in this culture that seems to be so strong about getting into personal truths versus kingdom truths. It's about what we believe to be truth versus what we know is the truth. And so I see a lot of people trying to bring this in and trying to meld it in and mesh it in with that. We need to be about the good news of Jesus Christ, about the gospel, about the truth. It's interesting, I was just talking last week with a friend of mine in our community, and I've known him about 10 years. He's, he's not a believer. But we periodically have had conversations, and he's told me, Steve, you know, there are a lot of people out there, I believe, that need God. But he said, God's not for me. He says, I recognize there's people that, yeah, that are just screwballs and have all these problems, and they, they're the ones that need God, but God's not for me. And so our conversations wouldn't really go very far because he would hint every once in a while, he'd go, hey, Steve, that guy over there, he needs God. And so I, in a way, he'd smile, but then I'm like, okay, well, it's interesting. So this last week, I ran into him, and he's telling me about he's learning something about creation of of the world, the universe, everything. And he started thinking about this, and he started realizing that this is more than just a accident, that it took way more than just somebody saying this is science. And he started telling me, he goes, you know, somehow I stumbled across this podcast, and I was listening to this guy reading from the Bible. And he said, in that, things started coming to me. He said, it's somewhere in the Bible. He goes, I don't know what book. He goes, it it's not Exodus. And I said, Genesis? He goes, yeah, Genesis. And so it was interesting. We started having a conversation about God. And he was telling me that God's beginning to reveal himself to him. And then he opened up to say, when I was a child, I did go to church. You know, and I've heard this so many times. He said, I was hurt by the church. I was wounded. I did not ever, because people connect God with what happens to them, their experience. That's how they see God. And so wounding, hypocrisy, judgment, mistreatment. That's why I think in the Bible talks about unity, 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 being about Jesus Christ and about his business. And so often we're all about our business and, and all those things. But anyway, so he, I believe that God opened his heart to begin to hear some truths. So it's interesting. So I look forward to more conversations because I remember telling my wife even a few years ago, I said, you know, this guy is one of those people who you would, it would be a miracle upon miracle upon miracle, because I'm leaving out a lot of his story, that he would ever say yes to God and give his life to the Lord. And I came home and just, I'm just like, I can't believe this. But that's how God works. God reveals himself. He reveals himself. And so this morning I want to talk about know your keys. So we're going to talk about these keys, but you need to know your keys. What door does each key entitle you to open, the keys that you have? Yeah. And you know what those are, the ones that you have. And some of them, here's me. It took me years and years and years to figure out that I needed to actually, it helped me <laughs> to have one key to my house that looked 
that stood out to me. Because, you know, when you're fiddling with your keys and you're like, my goodness, and you know that key, but you just still, I was like, okay, I got to identify this thing a little bit better. But we make identification of our keys. You can have keys, but if you don't know what they're for, they're of no use to you. Have you ever looked in your house and you found a key somewhere and you go, I have no idea what this key for? And then you walk around your house and you try to figure it out. And I've got this key in my house. I have no idea what it's for, but I still keep it just in case. (laughs) But God hasn't given us these keys for somehow just in case down the road that we might discover something. He wants us to discover what these keys are for and why he's given them to us. So there are some keys that God has decided to share with us as believers. And I want to first talk about those at first. And I'm just going to list a few. There's a lot of keys, and you can discover when you read through the word. But when you come into his kingdom, you are a beneficiary of keys. There's some keys that all of a sudden, it's a benefit to you that you have these. So keys of God's kingdom. First one, and I'm just going to grab a key here. This key represents authority. So we have this key, and it gives us access to everything in his kingdom. When we repent and when we come into his kingdom, things change. Like I said, we come out of the kingdom of darkness. We're no longer in that kingdom. Now we're in the kingdom of God. By the way, is Satan allowed in the kingdom of God? No. That's not his domain. That's not his territory. He has no keys to God's kingdom. Why do we give him keys? We're the ones that give him a key for some reason, and he he tries to get over that wall, and he's speaking in our ear, and he's telling us all these lies. And I think sometimes, just unknowingly or whatever, we just reach up and hand him the key. When that key is not his, he has no business, no authority in God's kingdom. He's not a part of that. We'll talk more about that later. But a key is a sign of authority. That's what it is. A key is a sign of authority, and it's given to a trusted steward, somebody who's been trusted with keys, because when you give keys to somebody, that means you trust them, and so my kids have keys to our house. I don't just go around grocery store handing my keys to different people. Only two of them have keys. Well, the rest of them should. They don't. Then they figure out how to get in. So it's the master's possessions that we've been given keys to. So God has possessions that he has, and he's given keys to those. Matthew 16, 19 says, And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. So we, the church, have been given authority to carry out God's will and to oppose the powers of evil. We've been given that key, authority. The word bind and loose, they're, they're these terms meaning to forbid or permit. Actually, these things, if we look deeper into this and not have time to do that, but really is focused on what heaven's already done. Yeah. So that's what we're doing. So what we bind and loose is something that's already happened in heaven because we can't have it backwards. If we do something that hasn't happened in heaven, then that, that's not biblical. So there's stuff that's already been done. What we're doing is we're establishing here what's already been done in heaven. Those are things that Christ has set in place. And the reality is that the New American Standard Bible version, I was reading that, and I thought, you know, this version of this scripture does it more correctly. It says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth 
shall have been loosed in heaven. So it's already been done for us. There's another reason we cannot create our own truth. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 17, says this. It says, when the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. (laughs) They're excited about that. Yes, he told them. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. So Jesus is telling, I've given you the key to authority over the enemy and all of his power. He has no authority in your life. You have the authority. So he's given that to us. That's a key that we need to make sure that we are using all the time. The authority that's given us, that's part of what you have as you're in his kingdom. The second key is the key of healing. This is a good one, healing. Mark 16, verse 17 and 18, it says, these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. How many believe? Yeah, amen. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. That's a key. You've been given healing. You have the right and the privilege to pray for the sick, to call forth healing because you're part of his kingdom. And that's part of the privilege of being part of his kingdom. Healing. That's a key. If you're sick, lay hands on yourself if you need to. Or the Bible talks about calling the elders of the church and come lay hands on you and pray for you. Whatever it is, you have that key to believe for healing, for the miraculous. So that's important. Make sure that key is probably in your pocket spiritually, but you got to use it. Know that you've been given the right to use that key. The next one is the key is provision. 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 God supplies the needs of all creation, all of those things. But special care has been given to the kids of his kingdom. You know, he gives us special care. He does. And he is a God of provision. He's Jehovah Jireh, our provider. We have to carry that key of provision that he will provide all that we need. He loves to take care of us. So we have to make sure that we have that key, that we're carrying that with us at all times. He is our provider. He provides for us. That is a privilege of being part of God's kingdom. And we're in there. The next one is protection. Oh, I didn't read the scripture, sorry. Philippians 4.19, under provision. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches. All of them, not just one or two. The same God who takes care of me. It goes on to say, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. That's a key that's been given to us. Provision has been given to us. In Psalm 107.9, for he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Yeah, we're thirsty and we're hungry, but he's there to satisfy because there's a key that he's given to us for provision. Protection. Protection. We need protection. We say, well, we're in God's kingdom. Why do we need protection? Because we know the scripture is talking about the enemy that goes around like a roaring lion seeking who he can devour. So he tries to get our attention. He tries to yell over the wall, hey, just letting you know I'm here. I'm out to get you. That's where we pull out the key and say, no, sorry. You have no authority. You have have nothing there. God, he he protects us. 
But we have that key to remind the enemy that we're protected under the blood of Christ. We're protected because we've put on the armor. We have to put on that armor. Because if we don't, because it says, not if, but it says, when you face these things, therefore put this on. And you will stand, and therefore stand, you're going to stand strong. But if we don't use the keys, have people come to me and they just feel so beat up by the enemy. But I believe a lot of it has to do, they don't understand the authority they begin, they don't understand the purpose of the keys that Jesus Christ has given them and how to use them. So we need to make sure that not only do we know what the keys are for, but we take them out and we use them. We use the keys that have been given to us. Psalm 18, verse 2 and 3. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise and he saved me from my enemies. Tony talked during the communion time about being in a safe place, that that's what he's created for us, a safe harbor, a place of safety that we can come and know that he's our rock, he's our fortress, he's our protector. He is gonna be there for us. Psalm 46, one says, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. He's always there. When we get in trouble, what's the first thing we do besides freak out? We should be calling on him. Lord, help me. And guess what? Boom, he's there. He's there. But so often that key doesn't get used because we've got fear. We have all these things and we go and do something we shouldn't do. And it comes more difficult for us. The next key is the key of power. Power. The enemy wants to render us powerless, but we've been given the key of power. Isaiah 40, 29 through 31 says this. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. In other words, in our own strength, we could be the most fit person in our own strength, and we would fail at what we do. But when we have him, he gives strength to us. He gives power to us. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. We need to grab a hold of that, too. There's power in his kingdom. There's a key called power that we need to make sure that we grab a hold of and put that on our keychain, that we have that and we live in that. The next one's interesting. It's the key of knowledge. And I was studying this and had some thoughts on this. It's very interesting because there was a point in time that the Pharisees were very adamant to try to withhold this. They didn't want it. They didn't want others to have it. And in John 17, 3, he says this, And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. There's knowledge here because it says this is the only way to have true life, eternal life, is to know Jesus Christ. There's knowledge there that has been tried to keep from us. That's a key that the enemy wants to keep from us. The knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. Luke eleven fifty two says this, what I was referring to. What sorrow awaits you experts in religious laws? Those Pharisees, the ones that teachers that th- thought they knew everything. It says, for you remove the key to knowledge from the people. You don't enter the kingdom of yourselves and you prevent others from entering. They were trying to keep the knowledge of the truth of Jesus Christ away from people. Yeah. It's interesting. They didn't want to receive the key to knowledge and they didn't want others to have it either. Because they thought their way was the right way and this is how we do it. 
So Jesus says to these people, he goes, woe to you experts in the law, because you have taken away the key to knowledge, then Peter and all the apostles were given the keys of the kingdom. That is, the gospel of Christ that would loose those who received it and bind those who did not. There was keys to the kingdom that were given. Jesus was like, okay, you, you, know, you can do your thing, but I'm releasing. If you want to try to hold the keys back or you want to try to keep that or you don't want to enter in that, but I'm given the keys because I am Lord. I'm given the keys to my kingdom. And he said, I'm, I'm given to those who follow me. Yeah. Followers are Christ. Disciples of Christ, and that's who, all of us here today. And he didn't give, if he would have given Peter the key to the power of salvation just to Peter, that's not correct because it wouldn't go just to Peter. Right. And the power wasn't just in that key of knowledge, but the power is in the gospel. Okay. The power is in the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation yeah. for everyone who believes. The power is in the gospel. It's not in anything else. It's in the gospel. Now, we've just talked about some keys that God has shared with us, and I've just named a few, and we could discover a lot of them, but this morning I just named a few of these. Now, I wanted to dive into a couple of keys that are not shared, that they are held by God and God alone. I never heard this preached before or talked about before, just something I just felt like the Lord was showing me through this process, and I'm sure there's been messages on this somewhere, I just don't recall, but, but there's keys, and there's a reason that there's keys that God maintains possession of. Number one, the key that, that is the government of his kingdom. That is a key he does not share with us. It would get crazy if he did, because he would say, I give you permission to run this how you want it, you know, you have authority to do this. No, he does not give the key to the government of his kingdom. That's a big problem with today's culture, is that many... Many of us are trying to basically rewrite kingdom government and how it should work. I see that all the time. Even Christians like, well, I want to design it how that it fits my truths. But that's why Jesus said, no, you cannot have the key to my government. And so in Isaiah 9, 6 and 7, it says this. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. The key really depicts the responsibility and the position of power here to make decisions in that position. So God is the only one that can make decisions in regards to his government. So I was doing some research. So to place a key on someone's shoulder, so we just read this about the government will rest on his shoulder. To place a key on somebody's shoulder denotes power, that that person has the power and authority to use that key and the responsibility in a certain position. So it's interesting because when I began to study about this, because I thought, why would he use that term on his shoulders? Well, here's a scripture. In Isaiah 22, starting in verse 20, it says, Then it shall be in that day that I will call my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah. I will clothe him with your robe and strengthen him with your belt. I will commit your responsibility into his hands. He shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. The key of the house of David I will lay on his shoulder. So he shall open 
And no one shut, and he shall shut, and no one shall open. That key is placed on his shoulder. That's the key of power and authority and responsibility. The same one that God holds for his government. He's talking about that. That is important for us to understand. That is not a key that he shares with us for us to feel like we can go in and change how God structures his government and what he says in his word. His word is truth, and it's already been established, and we cannot change it. It's usually our unwillingness to abide by his government that gets us in trouble, just like it would be in our community if we were to try to go against that. Just because we feel it's not a good governing law or rule or something that Christ puts in place or God's put in place, but we're submitting to it because it's his government, not ours. All right, the next one key he does not share with us is the power to save. James 4.12, first part says, God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. In John 14.6, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. He is the only one that can save sinners. That's a key that he has maintained full ownership of. He doesn't share that. And then the other one I have listed here, the last one, is the key of death. Revelation 1.18 says, I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. It is appointed once for a man to be born, and it's appointed a time to die. We do not know when that day is for us on either end. We're here, obviously, we've been born. None of us know when we're going to die, but... That's a key that God holds. He has the power of death. He took the keys right out of hell. That's his key. Understand that. Psalm 89, 48, no one can live forever. All will die. No one can escape the power of the grave. If we can fully understand the power and responsibility and authority that we've been given using some of the keys of the kingdom, we can better understand the influence of the gospel and how that can benefit us. And if living in God's kingdom and having these keys and using them, if we're doing that well and we're doing it effectively, then we can't help but want to convey the good news to others. But if it's not good news to us, we'll be unable to convey that truth of the good news to other people. So I think it's so important that it's so instilled in us the good news of the gospel, understanding God's kingdom. Now, there is a ton of stuff. Actually, we, we had an incredible class that we did for several weeks that Tony led about the kingdom of God. Amazing, amazing stuff. And, and feel free to talk to Tony about He's got material. It's, it's incredible. When you start talking about the kingdom of God, it blows your mind. But I think there are so many Christians that are out there today that, that have keys, but they have no idea what they're for and how to use them. God's giving those keys to us and we need to use those. If we can seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and we live righteously, all these other things, God will provide for us. He'll meet all those things. Unfortunately, so many people live for their own kingdom or they seek their own kingdom, their own purpose, building themselves, their their kingdom. They focus on their kingdom instead of God's kingdom. I believe God wants us to bring us back out of our kingdom because whatever it is that we're trying to do, 
pales so much in comparison to his kingdom and what he wants to do. And when we're focused on him, whatever we think is our kingdom that we're building, he does a much greater job at helping us in that anyway. In in a couple weeks, uh, as I mentioned last week, so we're going to talk about protocols for living in God's kingdom. There's a lot of things I think it's really important for us as believers to fully understand and understand our position, but there's protocols in that as well. I hope today that you can, when you leave today, that you can for sure identify the keys. It's just a few of these keys that I've talked about this morning that God's given given to you, to give it to us, and know exactly what they are and be able to grab those and reach for them and say, this is the key that'll help me today. Key of authority, key of power, key, key of healing, whatever, whatever that key is, you know you can grab that and you can use that key because God's, he's chosen to share his keys with us for his kingdom. We, we have been brought in to his kingdom. We're ambassadors for him. Lord, I just pray right now, each one of us this morning as we're here, that you would speak to our hearts that we can answer the question about are we ambassadors that represent you well, that represent your kingdom well? Lord, we want to be that. We want to be representatives of your kingdom. We want to see you get the glory and the honor in all that you do in us and through us. Thank you, Lord. Let's sing the song as we're preparing to dismiss this morning. Thank you for listening to City Life Church Podcast. 